Welcome to Always West Seattle, the podcast where the people, places, and stories of West Seattle come together. I'm your host, Keith Bacon. In this episode, we'll learn about an animal invasion on our so-called island that's spreading holiday cheer and generosity. Then we'll check in with Keisha Vaughn for some Thanksgiving leftover hot dish and get to know the new manager of our farmer's market with some exciting seasonal updates. It's been a while since the legendary West Seattle turkey has been seen in our neighborhood, but a new form of wildlife has been popping up just about everywhere. They're polar bears, of all shapes, sizes, and forms, appearing in local businesses and surrounding homes. But there's more to these creatures than just a furry face. They're here on a mission to do good in the neighborhood. To learn more about what's being called the Polar Bear Challenge, we talked with organizer Megan Burbrick. Where did the idea for a polar bear challenge come from? Well, you know, not unlike many during these COVID times, I find that I have been swinging up and down emotionally. Mm -hmm. And on a day when I was down, I turned my energy to decorating for the holiday, just as a way to create joy for myself, but for my family and maybe for passersby. And so... With Griswold Family Christmas in the back of my mind, I started doing Amazon searches for Christmas decorations. Mm -hmm. And I found these awesome inflatables, and one of them happened to be a polar bear. And I texted a picture of it to my neighbor and said, hey, a family of bears is moving in for the holiday. And she replied, I love it. I'll get one too. And really the idea was born there. I remembered the early COVID bear in the window uh, Uh scavenger hunts. And I thought it'd be cool to add a holiday twist to that with the polar bears. And so I made a few calls to good friends that also live in the West Seattle community Mm-hmm. And the polar bear challenge began to take shape, not only as a scavenger hunt, but also as a way to support those in need in our community. Mm-hmm. So I had the week off of work for Thanksgiving and started rallying my friends and my daughter, who was also off for the week, got together her friends. And we launched it on December 1st with the website and an interactive bear and bin map and mm-hmm. Over 20 locations, local businesses joined in the fund too, Mm -hmm. really all with the mission to spread joy and support the community we love and supporting it primarily through food donations to the West Seattle Food Bank. And at most of the polar bear locations, there are food donation bins as well. So when you see a polar bear in the neighborhood, that likely means that there's a spot where you can also donate some food. Yes, yes. And on the website, you can actually see which locations are bears only. Those ones are in red. And then the ones that have bears and bins are in green. And the majority of the polar bear locations actually do have both bears and bins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's been cool to see. And if someone is fresh out of polar bear, how can they participate? There's a few ways to participate. The first 
is go on a polar bear scavenger hunt. It's really fun for all ages. If you utilize the map, you can locate where the bears are generally. You can find bears and donate food. There's a checklist on the website that you can download to give some structure around your scavenger hunt, or Mm -hmm. you can just try to find them all. You can add a polar bear to your own yard or your window or your business. And really, they don't have to be big inflatable polar bears. They can be big or small. People have been getting so creative. It's from a simple printout picture with lights surrounding it and a Uh window all the way to down across from Lincoln Park. Somebody built like a full billboard. (laughs) with a polar bear and some polar bear facts on it. So people have gotten really creative, and I've loved to have seen that. That's great. And you can even download a photo of a polar bear from your website if you really are coming up empty, right? Exactly. We actually have a downloadable sign that you can put in your window. So Mm -hmm. all you need is a printer, and you can slap that baby in your window and be a part of it. What sort of food items are best to contribute to a polar bear collection box? The West Seattle Food Bank has a wish list, primarily canned vegetables, non-perishable foods. An interesting thing as we were going out and talking to local businesses and Next to Nature is one of the businesses that are participating. They are a pet food store and the West Seattle Food Bank comes to them on a regular basis because one of the things that's always on their wish list is pet food too. And she said the demand for that has actually been increasing. So it doesn't just have to be people food. It can be pet food as well. Pets are people too. Pets are people too. I've got (laughs) two dogs. I believe that. (laughs) How many polar bears can people expect to find at this point? Right now, there are over 62 bears and bins around West Seattle. Yes. (laughs) And last night, I had gone out on my own polar bear hunt. And there's definitely more than that because we located four locations that had not submitted their location through the form on the website. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's polar bears popping up everywhere. And (laughs) they may be submitted, they may not be, but we get a few more submissions every day. So the number's definitely growing. Do you have a specific or targeted goal in mind for what you're going to raise through this program? You know, when we started, because it was just a group of friends and my daughter and her friends came together. Our goals were pretty modest. We started with just, if we can get 12 locations, then that would be a scavenger hunt. 12 locations, 12 bins. With 62, we've totally (laughs) blown those initial goals out of the water. And when I initially had the idea, I envisioned how cool would it be if there were polar bears all over West Seattle Mm -hmm. and everywhere you turned, you could see a polar bear and just be reminded that in this time when we maybe aren't as connected physically as we used to be because Mm -hmm. of the pandemic, to just be reminded that we're still all looking out for each other. And of course, I would love to see polars everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I would like it to be a polar bear island. And (laughs) I want to just collect as much food as possible for Mm -hmm. the West Seattle Food Bank. I've already been so amazed. We put the bins out on the first 
Mm-hmm. Two days later, I walked through the junction just to check in and make sure everything was good. And we had to empty some of the bins. They were already overflowing. And last night when I drove around, I saw that too. As many bears and as much food donated as possible. That's our goal. <laughs> and you mentioned being in the junction. There are businesses participating in this as well. Yeah, yeah. On the website, there's a local partners page. Uh-huh. And there's, I believe there's 24 businesses oh, wow. right now. Easy Street, Phoenicia, Flirt, Capers, Curious Kid Stuff, My Three Little Birds, City Mouse, Salties down on the water, mm-hmm. paper boat booksellers. And the more the merrier, really. One of the things we also wanted to try to do, many of us that collaborated on this either have businesses or have friends that have local businesses. Mm-hmm. And we know that it's a tough time for them right now, too. So Absolutely. We wanted to make it as easy as possible for them to participate. So we dropped off the bears, we dropped off the bins, we're picking up the food, and we're trying to promote them as part of this process as well and get people into their businesses. That's wonderful. Uh, The program wraps up on January 1st, 2021, which is traditionally the day of the Alki polar bear plunge where people jump into the water for unknown reasons. And do you know what's going to be happening with the polar bear challenge on that day? Yeah, I know that the organizers of the polar bear plunge are working to hold that event safely on January 1st, but I don't think there's any specific plans on whether that is definitely happening or not. Right. But what I do know is that our polar bears will be down there on Mm -hmm. Alki for (laughs) one final food collection effort on January 1st by the bathhouse. So you could come down to uh, see the polar bears, make a donation, and you could even do a a self-plunge if... Yes, you could. (laughs) Yes. If you're so inclined. You will not find me doing that, though. (laughs) This is really wonderful. I think it's just another West Seattle thing that is so, you know, it's the kind of thing that happens here. And thank you for inspiring so much generosity and creativity in our neighborhood. And uh, who knows, maybe you've started a new annual tradition for our community. Yeah, maybe. We hope so. It certainly has been fun for us all to work on it. And I'm definitely not surprised of the reaction we've seen in West Seattle, because I think we've proven time and time again that we look out for each other here. Mm -hmm. We definitely do. To find out where polar bears are living in your part of West Seattle and learn more about the food drive, visit wspolarbearchallenge.com. Twenty twenty is the year where everything's different, and holiday traditions are no exception. As we dig into over some hot dish with Keisha Vaughn, how's it been going? Good. I mean, it's so. I was saying this to someone the other day. I was having like one of those kids in the car. We're running eighteen errands around West Seattle, and saying to T at Bin Forty One, she's like, "How are you?" And I was like, "What is that question anymore? I don't know how to answer." Like you ask it, and you almost ask it to people like, "How are you?" Yeah. But it's like saying it hopeful, and everyone says good. 
not expecting anyone to be like, if you have a second, I would love to, you know, talk to you about I'm scared, we don't have money, I hate my family. But yeah. I feel like people are, it's like the first time ever that people are asking that question and really being open to an honest answer. Yeah. We had a neighbor stop by. We were having a bonfire in our front mm -hmm. yard, a small, totally legal bonfire. Mm -hmm. And a, a neighbor of ours stopped by and she was like, what have you guys been up to? And we talked and talked and talked and talked. And then I felt like I wanted to hear something from her. And so I said, mm -hmm. how are you doing? And she went off on me. And she's like, oh God, I hate it when people ask that question because <laughs> so often they don't want to really hear it. Or when they say that to you at the grocery store, like how, do, how should a stranger ask you? I'm like, I'm not a stranger. I'm, I'm your neighbor. Yeah. Like I I do actually want to know how you are, but, and then I, after she left, I remembered, I think she had done that be once before where she told me, don't ask me, how are you? But now I think a lot of people are feeling that too. I don't know. Be, beware if you open the floodgates. Totally. Do you really, are you asking that or are you trying to fill space and time? Yeah. Looking just for words or do you really want to hear it? And I've, I feel like most people for the most part want to more than ever feel like they're not alone like yeah. the other people are experiencing what they're experiencing and and to some extent we all do know that no one is going through anything that is not being experienced by your neighbors the levels of what it is can vary right. but it's a perfect time to be like i gained 15 pounds and <laughs> i am drinking too much and i hate my wife and I like <laughs> yeah. watch too much TV, but then I'm also doing puzzles and I'm also like not wearing a bra and like all these things that you would be like mortified to share or admit. Mm -hmm. It feels safer for all of us to admit that it's a roller coaster. Like every day is too much and not enough. Well, I guess this is a good time for me to say I haven't worn a bra in months. <laughs> I don't think the bra is going to make a comeback. <laughs> Deodorant and underwear, I think, are here to stay. Yeah, I hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. The, we'll see. I know. People are going to come out and smell. I really do feel like I got used to the way I smell. So. <laughs> and you just had a birthday. I just had a birthday. And I, for myself, who is secretly very introverted and naturally a little bit antisocial as social as I am. Mm -hmm. It was so nice that people dropped things on the doorstep and left. <laughs> <laughs> like it was. I love my people. I miss my friends and, and all of that. And I'm yeah. so thankful for everything that they did. But it's like when you first had a baby and it was like people would say, you're just supposed to bring the food and then leave. Mm -hmm. And it was quite lovely to just be able to receive these gratitudes and flowers and wine yeah, and then not have to do too much small talk. <laughs> and I know some people are feeling that way about Thanksgiving and how that sort of unfolded this year. Most people didn't do what they normally do, including Corey Anton and I. We mm -hmm. just stayed at home, just the two of us. And we did a couple mm -hmm. of Zoom calls with different people, which kind of actually really pushed my I miss people buttons. That was yeah. that was pretty weird. But other people, after the holiday, I saw and heard, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> yeah. We still did turkey and all the sides and everything. And it was just the four of us. And I was saying to Matt before, are we doing this? Do we want to do this? Do we want to just get Chinese? And he's like, mm -hmm. oh, we got to do it. We got to do it. And I talked to my sister on the phone for a long time and checked in with my parents and everyone. And 
like for me on that day, thinking about watching football and eating little smokies, like all the appetizers before mm-hmm. you ate and that, that feeling, that was something that like I didn't realize I would miss. Yeah. Because when you're by yourself cooking this huge meal in the kitchen and everyone else is in the house going about, you know, their normal business, yeah, it was an easy time to feel like, oh, normally this would be like someone else in here with you juggling and doing the thing. And, right. and that did pull at my heartstrings a little bit. Cause yeah. It's a long day of service and gratitude. Yeah. And also the way that people typically cook for Thanksgiving, that's a lot of food. It, then you've got it all. <laughs> you got it all. The timing of it, I was like, okay, I'm making these portions knowing that it's just going to be me and Matt and then Daisy will eat a little bit. And Archie's mm-hmm. going to have his cucumber <laughs> and some french fries <laughs> and do his thing. But the timing, I mean, it, the really the musicality of it all, that it's all hitting the counter at the same time with the right heat. And then I felt like I was so exhausted by the time we ate. Yeah. And, the, and like, the gravy was too salty. And I'm, like, crying <laughs> at the table. And I'm like, are you really crying? I'm like, it's too salty. <laughs> I was so thankful that it was just us and not like, your in-laws and your cousins and everyone. Yeah. And you're, everyone's looking at you about your turkey or the pressure was off. The trick to gravy is under salt and let your tears add the salt <laughs> later. <laughs> I'm going to put that in my little recipe book for next year. <laughs> I cooked the turkey this year and I maybe overcooked it a little bit, but it was fine. But I was exhausted. I said to Corey Anson afterwards, like, I kind of like when other people cook Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> next year, if life is open, I would love to just be a guest at somebody's table. It's a good way to go. Although it was fun to cook a turkey. No, it's probably my second or third time in my adult life ever. First time, I think I undercooked it. Second time, I felt good about it. Yeah. And then this time, I was I felt good about it, but like everyone had their version of what you're supposed to do. Like you got Canlis showing one, you got Padma over here, you got Food <laughs> Network, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do that. Oh, redrum, a Pioneer Woman. Let me get a little bit of that. And I think I had too many cooks in my kitchen. Oh yeah. Too many hands on my bird. I cook that way, though, where I'll look at like a bunch of different recipes for the same thing and then pick and choose. I have Mm -hmm. that ingredient or whatever, Mm -hmm. but yeah, some of those turkey, like the New York Times spatchcock three-day buttermilk (laughs) brine, like that's not happening. I thought about doing that, but the buttermilk (laughs) was like the new toilet paper. Like you couldn't get it anywhere. And did you have some time to connect with people like over Zoom calls and things that day? I had a friend who was doing like an open house Zoom that I didn't get a chance to get in on I ended up talking to my older sister who her kids were with their father for the day mm-hmm. and she just broke her ankle <laughs> so oh. I was just checking to make sure she was okay and she yeah. was happy as a clam <laughs> like I am drinking wine I'm watching tv I don't have to make anything like I'm actually really okay with this situation but we just had a nice, great, long conversation and probably drank half a bottle of wine together <laughs> on the phone. So it was quite lovely. And I feel like on a moral level this year, I feel like so many people are like, why do we even do Thanksgiving? This is like the horrible holiday and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And this is one of those years where going into this holiday in the future, people will really have a different perception on how to celebrate and what mm-hmm. it means and why we're gathering on this day and having a little bit of honoring the true meaning of it right? and still being thankful for the people we can share in this day with. 
Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely a, a game changer for Thanksgiving this year in light of everything that this year has been. And that is good. Yeah, for sure. Finally, it's time to check in with our neighborhood farmer's market and get to know the new manager, Shane Clyburn. How did you first get involved with Seattle farmer's markets? I was living on the East Coast for about five years. Mm -hmm. I went to grad school. And while I was there, I started working for Massachusetts farmer's markets, managing one of the markets in downtown Boston. I grew up in the Seattle area. So when I returned home last year, I was hoping to find work in the market space or in local food. That's the area I'm trying to build my career. And Mm -hmm. when neighborhood farmer's markets was hiring the beginning of 2020, seems like a million years ago, (laughs) I was really excited because it was, you know, right in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. So I joined the team in the beginning of March. Just as things were starting to get pretty crazy. Right. I was in the middle of training. I was going to be managing the Magnolia Farmers Market originally, Mm -hmm. and then supporting Jonica, the former West Seattle manager in Columbia City. And then I had about maybe a week and a half of normal farmers market operations. Mm -hmm. And then the city shut everything down in early April. We reopened U District within six weeks, I believe. Mm -hmm. West Seattle followed shortly after. Right. And because of all of the closures and the restrictions and the additional staffing that we had to bring in this year, we decided not to open the Magnolia market this season. So I shifted to being the full manager at Columbia City. And then in early November, late October, when Jonica stepped away to a new position, I took over at West Seattle. And I'd worked there a few times and helped out a lot when we first reopened. And we were really just figuring out what it meant to run a farmer's market in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah, that had to be a crazy time. And it it just changed every week. And I remember how frustrating it was for you guys thinking you had it all figured out and then a new rule or just really challenging time, I would imagine. We did a tremendous amount of work and research and looking into the science. And I'm pretty proud of the plans that we've been able to enact. It was occasionally frustrating working with the city just because there were times where we felt like they were just putting these mandates on us and not giving us the credit for the work that we've done. To their credit, they've learned to listen more over the ensuing months. That's good. For the most part, you know, we're okay with how the markets are running right now. We've been able to bring in a lot more shoppers per week, increasing our capacity while still maintaining a safe distance. Been able to make some inroads, bringing in other vendors and filling the market back up. That's our mission. Right. Supporting as many food businesses and farmers as we can. What's different about West Seattle for you compared to Columbia City? I think both of them are very neighborly farmers markets, Hmm. big community presence. Just the community is a little different. And Columbia City is very diverse. There's the most languages spoken in that neighborhood in the whole city. Mm -hmm. West Seattle is very homey. There's a lot of families that come through. Everybody who goes to the market seems to know everybody else who's shopping (laughs) at the market. And that's been nice to see, especially during this pandemic and all of this social distancing and isolation. A lot of people come to the market and it might be the only time they see their neighbors anymore. Right. Especially, you know, if you're being safe, if you're following all the rules, the, the market's a great place to shop. It's outdoor. There's plenty of space. 
we've managed a perimeter and we have hand washing stations on site and people feel safer when they comment that they feel safer than they do in a regular grocery store. Sure. Um, But they also get to see their friends. Yeah. It is really nice to see even people that you don't know, (laughs) just people outside and doing something that is making them happy is uh, Mm -hmm. is a good feeling. And also, as we saw last weekend when I was volunteering at the market, which was really fun with the winter temperatures, there's not really a line to get in anymore. So that's great. Are there a lot of different vendors that you're working with in West Seattle? It's a really good mix. It's interesting taking over the market at the end of the sort of peak season Mm -hmm. when quite a few of the farmers that are there most of the summer are backing out for the winter. They'll, Mm. They'll all be back in the spring, but they just, they don't have a lot they're growing. Right. And even some of the year-round vendors, they don't take as much space in the market. They shrink. But because of that, I'm bringing in a lot of the, the food processors, the small local Seattle-based food makers that we had to sometimes exclude over the summer because our number one priority is always the farm and the agricultural community. Right. At the heart, we're still a farmer's market. Over the years, we've grown to include a lot of other things. But one part of the 2020 reaction to COVID-19 was coming back to the original root of being a farmer's market. But now with winter, I'm bringing in a kombucha vendor, someone who does like specialty salamis, caramels and pastas and a lot of other like really awesome food that's made in Seattle, a great food city. And it's nice as the farm presence sort of shrinks in the winter, we have more room. Good place to do some holiday gift shopping. Oh, absolutely. Especially there's Salt Blade who does the specialty cured meats. Mm-hmm. They've got these holiday gift boxes. John Boy Caramels has also got beautiful displays. Several of our vendors are selling wreaths. The last couple of weeks, we had a Christmas tree vendor. They've been coming for the last eight years and they, mm-hmm. they really enjoy that market. That's great. And so from the farmers that are still coming to the market, what sort of seasonal items can we expect to look for in these first few weeks of winter ahead? There are still quite a lot of fruit available. You know, apples and pears last mm-hmm. well into the winter. They store really well. Even if they're not harvesting them anymore, they've got them on cold storage. So we usually have those available most of the winter, especially mm-hmm. in early January. There's still a lot. Later on, it, it gets a little more sparse. People bring in dried fruit and they bring in preserves and they, and they do other things. We also have a great variety of squash and potatoes and winter produce. It's that mm-hmm. heavier stuff. Some squash I see at the market that even as a market person that I just don't recognize. And I've been trying out a couple this year. Big fan of the delicata squash. Oh yeah. I tried one called like a curry squash. Doesn't taste like curry or anything, but it is like (laughs) a bright orange sort of round pumpkin shaped squash. Uh And the texture is just so creamy after you cook it. It's almost like a custard texture. Oh, that sounds good. Are there any new vendors coming to the market? I'm bringing in a couple new and returning vendors. Brady's Oysters is going to be coming back, and they're a longtime West Seattle vendor. Yeah. They drive out, all the way out from Westport on the coast. Fantastic seafood. Bringing in a new cider vendor. They knew this year. It's uh, Finn River Cider. Well-known in the community. Yeah. And then one new vendor I'm very excited about called Fantello Farmstead Creamery. Mm-hmm. They're a 100-year-old dairy farm on Enumclaw, I believe. Mm-hmm. Lane Fallow for a few years, and the grandson of the original farmer got it up and running a few years ago. And they're coming in, and they're going to be doing some great aged cheeses and fresh cheese, as well as a cultured butter. Uh-huh. And really, because like you don't see butter very often at the farmer's market. Yeah, that's true. I'm not quite sure why. Maybe it doesn't sell too well. But this, it looks beautiful. I've seen them. They're, they're little butter balls wrapped in wax paper. 
and they're just gorgeous and, and cultured butter is like it's on a whole nother level from, from right oh yeah <laughs> so yeah that sounds good we'll all be first in line for that <laughs> yeah yeah i'm really excited and that's the first completely new vendor that's joined the market since i took over as manager so it's exciting for me on a personal level as well <laughs> And how's the What's Good online ordering program going? It's actually been increasing the last few weeks. I think it's a combination of the cold weather as well as the the increase in the caseload in the state. Mm-hmm. People are returning to those more conservative habits of shopping online more. And right. even though the market is a safer place, it's still not the same as staying home. Absolutely. Uh, so we've seen an increase in sales and we have some people that shop there every week. They That's where they get their farmer's market veggies now or mm-hmm. their, their foods. And they're, you know, they're the regulars. They're so grateful. A few of them even have a range to have friends come pick up their produce, especially if they're compromised in some way or mm-hmm. a little older. We've had people who are coming out and supporting the folks who can't make it to the market. Oh, that's great. Another sign of how the farmer's market really does build community. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's it for this episode of Always West Seattle. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave a comment, and share with your friends. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates. I'm Keith Bacon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>